any parent that has the illusion that your child's going to go into a program and they're going to come out perfect is an illusion because there's always going to be bumps, right? Everything is a learning experience and there's no perfect program out there. Even my relative that finished her program, I mean, we still have struggles here and there, but the best thing they come out with is those coping skills to learn how to deal with bumps that life gives you. And that's what you have to look for. Welcome to Tilled Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber. Today, I'm bringing you an episode that covers a new topic for this show, how to find the right program when you realize your child is in need of more substantial therapeutic support or intervention. I've wanted to cover this topic for a long time because I know how overwhelming it can be on so many levels, if this is a road your family is going down. Sue Chef has decades of experience in this field, personal and professional, and I'm so grateful she joined me to help shed light on the ins and outs of navigating different therapeutic programs. Sue founded the Parents Universal Resource Experts in 2001 after her own experience with her daughter led her to realize how much she could help educate other parents. Since then, her organization has helped thousands of parents identify and select qualified, safe residential therapeutic schools and programs to help their at-risk teens. Sue is also an advocate for cyberbullying prevention and promoting the importance of online reputation. She's written three books on her experiences as a parent advocate and bullying expert, including Wits End, Google Bomb, and her latest Shame Nation, the global epidemic of online hate. With Sue's fascinating background, we could have explored many different topics for this episode, but what I wanted to do in this conversation is have Sue give us an overview of the options available to parents whose kids are struggling with challenging or dangerous behaviors and are in need of more intensive supports. So she explains the difference between therapeutic boarding schools, residential treatment centers, and wilderness programs, what the signals are that a child would benefit from these types of supports how to identify the best fit program, the possibilities for having programs covered by insurance, and much more. I learned a lot making this episode. If you are on the journey of finding a residential program for your differently wired child, I hope you find this information and the resources Sue shares helpful for what you're going through. Thanks so much. And now here is my conversation with Sue Chef. Hey, Sue, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Debbie. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And as we were talking before I hit record, this is a new topic for the show, but it is one I've been wanting to cover because I think we're going to be exploring some information that is really relevant to a lot of members of my community. So as a way to get into that, I always ask my guests to start by telling me their personal why. And I know this is very personal for you. So would you kind of give us a little bit of your story and how you got to be doing the work that you do? Sure. Well, it happened. I've had my organization for 22 years. I created it in 2001. And it was right after what happened to my own daughter. I had a a child, good kid, making some bad choices. She was a national gymnast. And once she made nationals, about six months into it, she broke her foot into like five different places and wasn't able to compete anymore and was asked to leave the team. So she came home and 
just had no identity of herself anymore and just started hanging out with a, a bad group of kids. But you know, what? I don't blame the kids. And I don't, I, I almost hate it when I hear parents say, Oh, it's the other kids, you know, our kids make bad choices, good kids make bad choices. And she also had learning problems and needed higher support in learning. So she was in a special school, but she still started hanging out with the less than desirable peer group. So we went from bad to worse. We tried therapy, we tried an intensive outpatient program. We tried a lot of different resources at home and then she started running away, a little bit of drinking. Um, and then we got to a point where we clashed at home. And then I ended up sending her to go live with my mother for a short time. And then my mother called me up and she's like, oh my gosh, we need, really need to get her help because she just had low self-worth. She had no identity after not being a gymnast. She was a gymnast from the age of five, six years old through 13 years old. And that's all she knew of her life. So right away, I hired an educational consultant. And back then, they were, I, I, I hate to say this, but they were only $350 an hour. Today, they're like five to $8,000 when you hire them. But you could fire them after an hour. And that's exactly what I did because they just pushed these wilderness programs on you. And my daughter was struggling with severe depression. The last thing I wanted to do is put her out into the woods with some beans and rice. And the philosophy of wilderness is to break a child down. So I fired him after an hour. I jumped online. And even 23, 24 years ago, the internet was very deceptive and you didn't know what was behind the screen. So I ended up placing her into a, a very deceptive and abusive program. She was there for six months. I didn't see her, didn't speak to her. And everybody listening is probably going, oh my God. Well, they just kept telling me to trust the program, trust the program. And when you're at your wits end, that's all you hope for is that you're paying, even back then, you paid a lot of money. And I was just thinking, they must know what they're doing. Well, I was wrong. And once I realized what was going on, I pulled her from the program. I posted online about the abuse that she endured, and she endured a lot of abuse. And I filed a huge lawsuit, and I won a huge lawsuit. And with that lawsuit, was I ended up it was the demise of all 22 of their programs. From there, I worked with three big law firms. And we represented hundreds of kids that were abused in these programs. We were featured on all these 48 Hours, 2020, 60 Minute, all these big shows that talked about it was Worldwide Association of Specialty Schools and Programs. They no longer exist out there. But what I went on to do is create this organization that helps educate families on how to find safe, healthy alternatives, how to research schools and programs. And that's what we need. I'm not like these organizations out there that some have created and, and former people that were abused that are trying to shut down every program. Because the truth is, we need safe alternative for our kids. I literally just had to place one of my own family members about two and a half years ago, because she was struggling with not only the cell phone addiction, but self-harm, depression, and we exhausted all our local resources with her. So, I mean, I see the need for therapeutic boarding schools. I don't think they should be shut down. I think we need, you know, quality control out there and parents need options. So that's how I came to be where I am. And I and I did for for those of you that I know have Googled me, yes, I won the eleven point three million dollar case in this whole deal. So I didn't collect the whole eleven point three million, but that's who I am and how I got to where I am today with my organization. Such an incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing that. 
And like so many people I've had as guests on the show, I am always so inspired when people create what they needed. And you are helping so many families through the work that you do. So it's just really powerful. So your organization is called PURE, which stands for Parents Universal Resource Experts. Could you tell us a little bit about in you know more detail what you do and how you support families? Right. It's it's helpyourteens.com on the internet. And what we do is we try to help parents educate them on the right questions to ask schools and programs when they're looking online. Stay away from those marketing arms that are trying just to sell you schools and programs that are paid to play. Stay away from these sponsored listings that put more money into marketing rather into the program. Always speak to a person that's located at the school or program, someone that has invested in interest in your child. Basically, what we do is educate you and we can give you launching pads. Over the past two decades, we literally, I myself and I have some other parent advocates and parent volunteers that have gone out and we have visited. And these are also parents that have had kids in really good programs that have gone out and visited schools and programs. We've researched them. We've done our due diligence. So we can give you launching pads of programs that have worked for parents that have, these parents have used them. There's Their kids have used them. They've had positive results. I don't want to, first of all, any parent that has the illusion that your child's going to go into a program and they're going to come out perfect is an illusion because there's always going to be bumps, right? Everything is a learning experience and there's no perfect program out there. Even my relative that finished her program, I mean, we still have struggles here and there, but the best thing they come out with is those coping skills to learn how to deal with bumps that life gives you. And that's what you have to look for. And I think the best part of these programs is the family unity because it finally brings the family back together. It focuses on family unity. And that's what you need. Once you're removed from all this tension and conflict in the house, you can start now going back to family unity, bringing the family back together. You mentioned therapeutic boarding schools. So can you define what that is? I mean, I know there are therapeutic boarding schools, there are residential treatment centers, there are wilderness programs. Like when I think about what's available for kids who may have significant needs and their parents are looking for more support, those are the three options that I'm aware of. So could you kind of define the landscape for us a little bit? Absolutely. So a therapeutic boarding school and a residential treatment center, let's look at those two. Both of them provide behavior modification clinically and educationally. It's about emotional growth, physical health, mental health, family unity, social relationships, and academic support. Now, what is really the difference between them? It really depends on the state and the licensing and how they want to call them. There's not really a big difference. Residential treatment facilities or centers, whatever you, however you want to label them, it depends on the insurance really and how they're labeling them, may sometimes have more medical staff on staff. That's really the only difference. What I tell parents to look for is it's always called what I call the ACE factor 
A for accredited academics, C for a credentialed clinical team, and E for the enrichment programs. And E is the most important one, believe it or not. Of course, being accredited and credentialed is important, but those enrichment programs are what's going to stimulate your child to wake up every morning, whether it's animal-assisted therapy, uh, sports therapy, heterocultural art therapy is amazing for these kids with ADHD or trauma or any type of support that they need to learn coping skills with anger management, stress management, all these types of other types of therapy besides talk therapy is so beneficial. And those are called the enrichment programs. Now let's go to wilderness programs. I myself am not a big proponent of them. Although if a parent calls me and they're really hung up on going to a wilderness program, there are some really great wilderness programs out there. But what parents need to understand is short-term programs yield short-term results. And they are now up to $650 to $700 a day. Your insurance will not cover them. Okay. And what happens is you start program hopping because at the end of four to six weeks, and they're typically about nine weeks, they say to you, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Susie's doing really well. However, she's going to have to go on to a long-term program to have long-lasting results. Of course she is. So now you've got to put out another $100,000. Whereas if you were to do right out of the gate, a long-term program, a six, nine, 10-month program, you wouldn't have a double dip. The majority of educational consultants always do this double dip. And they like to say, well, you know, therapeutic boarding schools don't want a child until they've been broken down in wilderness first. And that's just not true. A lot of these therapeutic boarding schools or RTCs, residential treatment centers, are designed to take your defiant teenager. And I'll, I'll tell you, maybe, just maybe, if your child is using so much marijuana or drinking so much, they need to go out in the wilderness to detox, maybe. But outside of that, I don't see a reason because what happens is your child also becomes deflated. Now they're changing therapists, they're changing facilities, they're changing staff, and they have to start all over again. And by the way, parents, if you're paying, you're paying startup fees again, you're paying transport fees again, you're paying everything all over again. It's expensive. When I wrote my first book, I interviewed several hundred parents on this. And although many of of them had a really good experience in wilderness. That's why I'm not degrading wilderness. It's just that it was an unnecessary step. There's a lot of great wilderness programs out there. I'm not like against it. I'm just saying for parents that don't have that extra $40,000, $50,000, don't be depressed about it because it's not a necessary step. Well, that is really good information. And that is a hefty price tag. I think that's one of the things I, I know I see it in, you know, listservs and among communities that I'm in where parents are really navigating this landscape. The finances are really prohibitive and could be such a hardship on a family. So you mentioned that wilderness isn't covered by insurance. Can you talk a little bit about how it works with insurance companies? Like, is it possible to get a residential treatment center covered? This is where I educate parents most on. So if you have a PPO insurance, PPO typically has out-of-network benefits and is usually a deductible to meet. So it's usually like I just placed my own family member, like I told you, and we had Blue Cross Blue Shield. So Blue Cross Blue Shield has out-of-network benefits. And so does, I will tell you, I, I know the insurances now pretty well. Cigna and Aetna are premier when it comes to mental health. And then United is right behind it. And then Blue Cross Blue Shield is number four. And what you would do is you meet your 
out-of-network, of course, it depends how your policy reads. You have an out-of-network benefit. You meet that deductible, whether it's 500 to 12, ours was 12,000. So you you pay the 12,000. Then after that, it, it comes up to the next 18th, goes up to 18,000. It pays 50% of the clinical. Then it goes up to paying 100% of the clinical. Some people literally, like with Cigna, have gotten up to 80 to 90% of their program paid for. I've seen that. Even with Aetna. Now, I'm telling you, only PP, this is PPO. Now, with HMO, HMO is tricky. If you have an HMO, you do have to stay in network. However, there are exceptions. If you have tried everything locally, with your son or daughter, and without success, you can apply for a single case agreement. And believe it or not, that single case agreement will pay up to 100% of an out-of-network program. And I'm not sure if you're aware of that. The other thing is there are educational loans that have a fairly, you know, they're not high interest rates. The other thing is your IEPs that are out there. IEPs are sometimes approved in these programs. The other thing is if you have an adopted child, four or five states out there now have AAP, Adoption Assistance Programs. California is very prevalent with it right now, where there are programs that it'll pay up to $14,000 a month of a residential program. A month. I know California has, I think Texas, Kentucky, I forget all the states, but you'd have to find out about it. So there are ways, little to no scholarships. I know that the wilderness programs came up with this scholarship thing, but it's, to me, it's a little bit tricky, but I'm not a big wilderness proponent and it's not going to resolve your programs. Everyone needs to really drill this into your head. It didn't take four to five weeks to get to where you're at right now. It's not going to take four to five weeks to turn it around or four to nine weeks to turn it around. So yeah, you have to think about that. That's really good to hear. I think so many parents, you know, when they get to this point are, I don't think desperate is too strong a word. A lot of parents just feel like they have no options and that they need to make a decision and they just want things solved, right? You know, especially if they've been struggling at home. And then once they make that decision to take the leap, they so desperately want the issue to be resolved. And It's just a good reminder that this is a long road. It's still a marathon at this point. Well, and that's it. But then what happens is they get that salesperson on the other line that's going to tell them, oh, yes, we can do this. And I I don't want to start name and shaming programs out there, but I know certain programs that will convince these parents, oh, yeah, we can get it done in 30 days or 60 days. And I want you to go back and reflect on like detox, even for adult detox programs in 28 days. And they don't work. It's up to the adult to after the 28 days to do that one day at a time. And with kids, it needs to take at least six to nine months for that the good changes to become habit. And you have to really understand that the modality of the program is there for a reason. If it's a 10-month program, it's a 10-month program for a reason. They need to do the full 10 months. If it's a six-month program, same reason why. We'll be right back after a quick break. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body. And so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. 
Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. So I'm curious to know, just give us a little more insight into the types of challenges that parents are facing when they come to see you. And I guess what that tipping point is, because I think my community of parents with neurodivergent kids who might have additional things going on, anxiety or depression, maybe substance abuse, self-harm, all those kinds of factors. How does a parent know that it's time for something more substantial? And do you work with therapists? Like, what does the process actually look like? So a lot of times the therapist will actually say to the parent, listen, we reached a dead end. We're not, we can't go any further. They need residential. Parents typically come to us when they are at their wits end. And I typically say, come to me before you reach your wits end so that you have all the knowledge in your hand before you get to that point so that when you do hit that crisis moment, you're not all over the internet and going to make, going to make a rash decision. What we're seeing most today is the addiction to the smartphones, you know, the addiction to cell phones or gaming, and the kids just can't put it away, right? They're withdrawn. They stay in their bedrooms. School refusal is huge, skipping classes, the depression, the anxiety, self-harm, everything you're mentioning is, it's not 
like it was back in our day where you skip a class or two today. They've really taken it to an extreme. Parents come to us when the kids are a danger to themselves or a danger to others. The aggression, punching holes in the wall, going after the parents. I even say, don't use the word violent, use the word aggression. Because once you put violent down on an application, you're usually not accepted. Usually the parents come to us when they literally feel like you're a hostage in your own home and you just can't go on any further. I mean, this is it. I'm done. Believe it or not, I've had parents call me where one parent has actually moved out and is living in a hotel room more than once. They cannot live at home anymore because it's just so toxic. We've come to a point where a lot of these kids feel like they have so much control over their parents. Therapy doesn't work. They refuse to go to therapy they, or they won't engage in therapist, they, therapy. They manipulate the therapist. I mean, we're, we're getting this a lot today. And I just want to say for listeners, too, that Sue and I were talking before this conversation. And for those of you who are listening who have autistic kids who might be in autistic shutdown or in school refusal and things going on that are a result of their autism, that's not really what we're talking about today. So, you know, I know thinking about school refusal or if you have a kid who is in autistic burnout or a child who really needs that low demand approach right now, that is not what this conversations about. I just want to put that out there. We're really talking about those kids who are, as you just explained, kind of struggling with more extreme behaviors and therapy isn't working, but it's not specifically related to, for example, autism. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Another big group that we've seen come into play is the young adults. I can't tell you how many parents are calling me with 18, 19 year olds. That failure to launch is another big, big one that's coming into play. So in that case, with the failure to launch, I'm assuming there are programs that are very specific for different needs. Like, is that how it works? Absolutely. Like, especially when you have a a young adult, let's hypothetically say they're not doing drugs or not drinking or anything. They're just isolating in their bedroom. They're depressed. They don't want to go to school. They don't want to do anything. They're socially awkward and basically have to shut down. There are programs for it's emotional growth, life skills programs out there. Absolutely. That are do not focus on 12 step because the one thing you see a lot when it comes to young adult programs is they, they focus a lot on the 12 step, which is like for alcoholics anonymous or, you know, the, for the drug abuse. And some of these young adults simply, if they are smoking pot, it's recreationally, it's not as an addiction. I'm not condoning it. I'm just putting it out there. It's not like they need to go into a, a detox. They're using it as anxiety relief, which I'm not, again, I'm not condoning. I'm just saying it's, they're not addicts. They don't know need to go into detox, but they just need something to get them motivated to find future goals. They have literally no goals. They don't even want to come out of their bedroom. They don't want to get a job and the parents can't get them motivated. We're seeing that a lot. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, it seems like It would be so important to find the program that really meets a child's unique profile or what they need the most. So how many programs are available and how hard is it to find that fit? Okay, so I'll give you a really great tip. First of all, there's hundreds of programs out there, but it's so important. This is where we come in. It's so important. I tell parents to find the most appropriate program for your child, not what's geographically convenient. I have so many parents that call me, I want a program close to me. No, you don't. You want a program that 
best fits your child's emotional needs, even if you have to go five states away, because this is only a snapshot of your child's life. They're not going to be there forever. There's maybe six months, 10 months, and you don't go to visit them every weekend. You're going every three months or whatever for parent. There's parenting workshops. Everyone's doing this together and you're going to be zooming in with them every week. It's not like what happened to me six months ago. We, in 2007, we went to Congress to help develop more oversight in these programs. So there's a lot of oversight now. So you are involved in these programs. So most importantly, as you find the most, this is what we do, we help you find the most appropriate program for your individual needs. That means not placing your child out of their element. One of the most important ways you can do this is number one, always having an interview with the clinical director, staying away from these marketing arms, and also talking to parent references. This is so key. On my website, helpyourteens.com, under key topics, which you click, there's research tips. I have pages of tips on there. And one of them is parent references and it's questions to ask parent references because this is typically a parent's first time out here on this journey. So you don't know every question to ask. And so you want to ask, you always want to ask the school or program, hey, can I talk to parents that with boys or girls? similar to my own child. Like if you have a 15-year-old boy and if your child was adopted, you want to talk to other parents of adopted 15-year-old boys. And if you're from Virginia, say, you know, from the Virginia area, and if not for, you know, Virginia, South Carolina, North, from the, you know, East Coast area. So you want to try to get as many similarities as possible and they'll give them to you. And if they try to use the excuse of HIPAA, which they may, you can override that because every, I don't want to use the word legitimate. Most programs out there will get signed consents to be parent references. They have. I've worked with many programs out there and they all do this. They have parent references because they want to help other parents feel more at ease. And what, of course, you're going to get good parent references. And on my list of questions, one of the key questions you ask is, hey, it sounds like you had a really good experience at X, Y, and Z. If you could change one thing about that program, what would it be? Then you're going to get a little bit of negative. Nothing wrong with that. It may prompt you to ask an, another question, right? Or you can even say to them, hey, listen, before you chose that program, was there another program you considered? Because that parent already went on this journey. So you're going to get so much information. Every parent I've worked with, they've always said to me, that was like the best learning experience for them was talking to other parents that just did this journey. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I'd love to just ask a question that I know comes up for people, this concern about are there risks when putting kids in a peer group where other peers are struggling with as serious or worse things? And I want to get to that. But before we do, we'll take a quick break. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. 
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. So right before we went to break, I was asking, you know, this idea of introducing our kids to a peer group that might potentially be more troubled or struggling in different or maybe more significant ways than our kid is. Is that something that you see or how do you counsel parents around that concern? One of the questions you want to ask the clinical director is what is the population of kids that you have there now? And again, you can also ask the parent references this too, because the last thing you want to do is place your good kid making bad choices, maybe an entitled brat, into a program that populates a lot of kids using drugs, drinking, self-harming, eating disorders. So you want to make sure you are placing them into a program that are kids that are very similar to what your child is, so that it all comes down to your interviewing and asking the right questions. And if you can, and not every parent can, and I fully understand this, if you can go to visit the program is really your best option, because then you get a firsthand look at what's going on there, at the students that are there. But really talking to your parent references is going to be your your best resource because they're going to be able to tell you what the other students were like there. I'll give you a quick insight on, and that's a really great question because, so there's a program and I'm not going to name programs because I just don't think it's right, but there's a program out there that specializes with adopted kids only. When you go into one program that just does like all adopted kids, what happens is they do go in one set of problems and they come out with another set of problems. So you really have to look for a little bit of diversity. Like if you want to go into a program that specializes with RAD, I think that's reactive attachment disorder. I think that that's really great, but I would also have a little bit of everything so that they're not going to gravitate to one set of problems and come out with another set of problems. You want a good balance. You know, I think when you go in with all RAD, it's a little bit, I think that's what you're getting at, but it's all about your interviewing. And that's why my, my website is so comprehensive on how to interview. My wisdom is learn from my mistakes, gain from my knowledge. Yeah. And listeners, I will have links to all of Sue's resources in the show notes. And Sue's website, helpyourteens.com is incredibly comprehensive. There are so many resources there. So if this is something that you're thinking maybe in your future, or maybe you're navigating it now, I absolutely encourage you to go check out the Help Your Teens website and all the work that Sue's doing. But before we kind of wrap up, I did want to touch upon the family piece. So you mentioned earlier that when a kid comes out of one of these programs, you want them to have both these coping skills and then really being focused on that family unity. So could you talk a little bit about the family involvement, ideally in one of these programs? What does that look like? 
Well, all the well-rounded residential programs, they encourage and provide the family therapy, the on-site visits, the home passes, the phone calls. But when you're, you're talking about when they come home? Yeah, either while they're there and then when they come home. I think a lot of parents want a solution, right? They want something to be fixed. But this is really a whole family experience, I imagine. It is. Absolutely. So during the whole stay, they are involved. They're Zooming at least once or twice a week with their child and without their child. Then they're going, the parenting workshops are priceless because you're all learning how to navigate each other. All these, because this isn't just about the child. This is about the entire family, even siblings too, by the way, whoever's living in the house. And then about 60 days to 90 days before the child's getting ready to come home, they will come home home on a home pass and there's going to be like testing the waters. And then what's going to happen is together, they're going to be creating that home contract. They're going to be deciding things like therapy, right? What kind of therapy? Because like with my family member here, we opted for it worked better for her, a teen life coach. You know, sometimes teen life coaches were, everybody is different, but that's what she opted for. And there's going to be concessions because we want, this is what the program does for us. They moderate, or I should say mediate, moderate for the entire family so that we have harmony now. You have to have to decide school options. I get parents that call me up, well, what's going to happen after the program? Where is she going to go to school? I'm like, we cannot put the cart before the horse because once she goes through the program about 30, 60, 90 days out, you're all going to sit down as a family with your therapist and decide, okay, now what school is best for her? Because we don't know right now. You know, is it going to be virtual? Is it going to be a charter school? Is it going to be private school? We don't know yet. Let's see where she's at then. And it's the same thing. One of the most important thing is going to be the tech agreement, the tech contract, you know, your technology agreement, because she or he is going to have a whole new outlook on a healthy relationship with technology because they're not going to have a cell phone the entire time they're there. It's something that they work through with the entire family. It's all about this whole family unity. And the best part about all this is the child has built up their self-worth, that they feel good about themselves, the family's feeling good about themselves. It's such a phenomenal experience. But I mean, like I said, I really do think a lot of it stems back to the social media with a lot of the today's young people and the detriment to a lot of them. Yeah, it is tricky times out there for sure right now. Before we say goodbye, I just wonder if you have, I don't know, a calming word of wisdom or something for parents who, again, are kind of in this or they foresee that this is a road they're going to be going down. What advice or words of wisdom would you have for them? Go with your gut. A parent's gut is always knows best. I'll never forget when I went to visit my daughter's school. My gut told me something wasn't right, but I said, oh, I'm just emotional. I must not be thinking right. And I left her anyway, but my gut told me not to leave her. If you're visiting schools or you're talking to a sales rep on the phone, even if it's an admissions director and it just doesn't feel right, hang up the phone. There's a hundred programs out there. Choose another one. Your parents' intuition is always right. It just is. I can't say that enough. It's just the truth. And the other thing I want, I wanted to let everyone know is these online reviews with these programs. A program can be out there 20, 30, 40 years, even the program where I placed my granddaughter. I mean, it has some negative online reviews. I've known the program for 20 years. I knew the owners forever. The program owner who had passed away several years ago, but her daughter runs it, actually treated my own daughter for PTSD. They have negative reviews out there. 
people who who have something nasty to say will say it fast and furious on the internet. A lot of people that have good experiences don't write that much on the internet. Be really, really careful. I've written an article online, several articles online about online reviews. If you really like a program and you're reading negative reviews, take it to the owner or, or the admissions director or someone and ask them to explain it. If you still are not happy with the program, don't go there. But like myself, when I had my daughter was abused, I took it all the way to court. I went to trial. We went to trial in Utah with mine. And I mean, I I won a huge case, a jury against their peers, not my peers. And I still won. So unless there's a court case, listen, bad things happen all the time in these programs. I'm not telling you to dismiss it. But if you really like a program and you're reading these negative reviews, I just say sometimes people can write anything online. I just feel like if you really do like a program and, you, and you're reading all these negative reviews and those websites that are fear-mongering parents from the programs that these kids were in from the 22 programs that I shut down, they're still writing negative stuff out there. They have to move on and and let these new families get help because there are good programs out there. I promise you there are. I've seen them. So don't let some of these sites fear mongering you not into getting your child help. That's really great advice. Well, Sue, thank you so much. Again, listeners, definitely check out helpyourteens.com if this is something you're working through right now. Check out Sue's resources. And are there any other places where you want people to connect with you? Well, I have, I'm on Facebook. It's Help Your Teens on Facebook also, but that's it. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Sue. Yeah, thank you so much, Debbie. You've been wonderful. And I love what you do too. So thank you. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. To go deeper into this episode, visit the extensive show notes page. For every episode, there's a dedicated page on my website with links to all the resources mentioned, a full transcript, and a podcast player with key takeaways marked so you can easily go back and re-listen to the sections you're most interested in. Just go to tiltparenting.com slash podcast and select this episode. The Tilt Parenting Podcast is hosted by me, Debbie Reber, author of the book Differently Wired and the founder of Tilt Parenting. This episode was edited by Andrea Curtis Amasquita, and show notes were put together by myself, Andrea, and Lindsay McFadden. If you get a lot out of this podcast and want to help cover the cost of its production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. On Patreon, you can sign up to make a small monthly contribution, as little as $2 a month, and it's super easy to sign up. Just go to patreon.com slash parenting to learn more or click on the Patreon link on any show notes page. To follow Tilt Parenting on social media, go to at Tilt Parenting on Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook. Lastly, please help this podcast stay visible and easily found by the listeners who need it by subscribing and leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much. And that's all for this week. Stay safe, stay well, and take good care. And for more information about this podcast or any of the resources that Tilt offers, visit TiltParenting.com. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. 
I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.